Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello to all you L listeners, and welcome to tonight's episode. I am your host, Charity L, and I am uber excited that you, you, and you chose to tune in. Welcome one and welcome all, however, comma. This here podcast is not for the faint at heart. Should at any time you feel uncomfortable in any way, go ahead and click that exit button on your screen and be abundantly blessed. (laughs) But for those of you who enjoy real conversations and would like to hear more, go ahead and hit that like and share button, okay? Don't haul all this good good for yourself. (laughs) Sharing is scaring. Bring someone else in on this really real and all thy realness podcast. All right, Lord. Let's see if we can make it work now. Okay. (laughs) So, for those of you who um, missed the last segment where we were having technical difficulties, but uh, yeah, this is uh, Bruce White. We were talking about um, Christianity and stuff like that. Um, Growing up, you, you were getting ready to go into. Um, your childhood. You were a latchkey kid. That's how you say it? Latchkey kid. I feel like I said that all tongue-tied. And you had to pretty much raise yourself. And, you know. So tell us about those experiences. Alright. So, uh, the way I grew up was kind of... I don't know if it was different than most people, but I kind of, like, raised myself uh, to, so to speak. Like, mostly my parents were working. So I kind of learned how to survive. And, but as a result of that, I had developed a lot of childhood trauma. And with that childhood trauma, um, it kind of, I won't say that it negatively uh, shaped and molded who I became because it was a lot of good that came out of it. But then there was also a lot of negative effects that came from the trauma that I experienced as a young man. And so like what people don't understand is that when a child develops trauma early on, that clinical studies suggest that that child will most likely develop chronic illness at a later age when they get older. And wow. that's exactly, that's what happened to me because I was chronically stressed at a young age because of things that I had witnessed and dealt with. Never had <laughs> ever to talk about it and stuff like that. So I suppressed my feelings for years and then it manifested in the body. Right, right. And see, that's a good point, too. Like, even now, um, like, I really wish, and not even wish, I'm probably going to make it happen one day. But I feel like there should be more counselors and therapists and things like that in the church, whereas, um, you know, people don't feel judged for coming in and saying, hey, I just need an outlet. Hey, I just need to talk. Um or I'm going through such and such, 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 or whatever. So they don't keep internalizing things and then developing those chronic issues. Um, But yeah, go ahead. No, no, but it's just that what happens in the church, that the church feels that you can pray everything away. And in reality, that's that's not the truth. You cannot pray everything away. You can pray and the Lord will give you peace to deal with some of the storms. But a lot of times you have to actually learn skills to actually be able to survive and to be able to cope with some of the things that happen to us in this life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So 
important do you think it is for um okay so yeah, i work in early childhood education and um when i was at winston state my track was early intervention because i was fascinated at the fact that children as young as six months old can feel and experience stress correct um, and and different traumas and stuff like that um so how important do you think it is for especially um those who are in christian homes to talk to their children about different things um or you know have that open conversation like some families don't talk about sex some people don't talk about you know the different things that people can go through out here in this world when they leave home so mm -hmm. Is that something that you incorporate in your household? Like you said um, earlier, you have six amazing children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so with, I know that historically in the black family, that it's taboo to talk about sex. It's taboo to talk about mental illness, depression. <laughs> and especially if you grew up in a Christian home, that that's like a no-no you don't talk about those things that you just pray about everything but yeah. what's happening with this generation and it's been happening for, for years with all generations is that they're silently suffering yes. so you know what's happening you got people who are chronically stressed depressed and the older generation they smoked and drank to their pain yeah. but you know this generation of kids now popping pills, smoking weed, doing drugs, and, you know, getting hooked on all kind of illegal things to cope with stress and to cope with life, mm -hmm. and it's killing them. Mm -hmm. So what I do when my children is I try to have an open-door policy. We talk about anything. Like, man, if you want to talk about sex, I'd be so real with my kids. When we talk about sex, yeah. we talk about drugs, and we talk about stuff that is, is shocks them. Because to somebody, to some people, they would think I'm too liberal. But it's not mm -hmm. that I'm liberal, but I would appreciate I would appreciate them to talk to me and let me be real with you and tell you about my experiences rather than you go out here and mess up and then you can't come back from those mistakes. Right. Right. Yeah, I hear a lot of um, my peers say, well, I would had known this or I wish I had known that um you know like you said growing up you know our generation growing up we didn't talk about stuff like that mm -hmm. and I, I learned about sex I learned about sex in the hood See? and that's crazy like you know the older guys in the neighborhood you know they find out you're a virgin what you're a virgin what man so they were passing girls to me older girls so I'm in a neighborhood and it's this one girl, you know, they would call her to jump off. And like, she's the girl who everybody mess with to, you know, to get their first out of the way. And so they were passing this girl around. And she that was old. Yeah, that's, that's how it was. So like, she was the one that everybody messed with. And, you know, and it's just like, it was a, a thing. Like if you was a virgin that you got picked up and clowned I mean, like, so it's like you spent your whole life trying to make you made sure that, you know, I don't I can't be no virgin. But, yeah, it's um, like I was saying, it's just culturally, it's just it's a lot of cultural barriers. And it's a lot of things that 
we pick up and we learn from our cultures that mess us up. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so the biggest thing I've noticed with the church and with religion is that, you know, people don't be real in church. Mm -hmm. And you know, sadly, you know, when like, we could just talk about marriage, we could talk about relationships, like nobody's parent in the, in the church wants them to date, right? Everybody's like, oh no, you're gonna wait till you get old. But I'm like, okay, you're not coaching me on how to be somebody's wife. You're not coaching me on how to be somebody's husband. Or you're not teaching me what's the proper um, skills I should have to be in a relationship with somebody. So when I get in a relationship, I fail. Yeah. So it's like, it's this thing is bigger than mental health. It's bigger than, it's it's huge. I think it's a cultural thing that we're not, we're not teaching stuff across the board in right. all areas of, of our lives as young black folks. Yeah. We're not teaching, we're not teaching things that we should know. And then we fail. Like when it talks about stress and stuff, right? Uh-huh. Most most black people inherit negative coping skills that involve when I get stressed, I'm gonna go eat. That yeah. is a negative coping skill that we all learn. Yeah, I'm guilty. <laughs> oh, yeah. That stress eating. Oh Lord, have mercy! That stress eating is something else. I would keep a bag of powdered donuts beside the bed. That's <laughs> yeah. That's how I cope. <laughs> but it's it's so bad that people don't believe this, but it's a such thing as getting food high. Yeah. Um, and people have never like people don't know that they're doing it, but this is what happens. Like when you go to a buffet and you eat all you can eat you get to the point where you get so full that you like almost feel like you're about to get sick. Yes. And there's a high and there's a feeling. It's the same feeling that you get when you get high. It is the same chemical that goes off in your brain wow. when you get high. It is the same thing. And what people don't understand is that people are always searching for that. That's where obesity comes in. Right. Obesity comes in because people, they push their body beyond the limitations. And when you push your body beyond the limitations, and because there's there's a buffer, your body, it has this little, this has a system that lets you know when you're full, when you've had enough. But when you push your body beyond those limitations because of stress and depression or all these different emotions that we go through, then your body begins to shut down. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. It's just, I wish that as a society, I wish that as a culture, we did a better job of of, of teaching. You know, a lot of preachers, there's a lot of people getting a pulpit who do a great job of hooping and hollering. Yeah. But ain't nobody learning nothing. Listen, <laughs> take it from me. And I've been in the church my entire 37 years on this earth. Right. So, yeah, I've, I've seen, I've witnessed it. And it's, it's so unfortunate because here you are. Um, and listen, I'm not in no way, shape, or form knocking anybody's pastor, minister, anything. Let me just go ahead and be clear. Okay. My mom minister, I have minister friends. Listen, I'm just saying there are some out there who have the responsibility of leading the flock. Mm -hmm. Um, 
50, 100, 300, thousand symptoms. And you're so, they're so focused on whether or not I did a great job, like you said, hooping and hollering, or if I had somebody in the amen corner or whatever the case is, but is anybody actually giving me effective counsel? Mm -hmm. Anybody mm -hmm. actually pouring into me, not just quoting scriptures or, um, you know, telling me how you got to dance like David danced. I won't dare when David was dancing. I'm sure he was a great dancer. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that, you know, God was pleased. But let's talk about what charity can do right now. Because charity right now is dealing with stress from her job. Charity <laughs> that, is dealing with her that, children. Right. Yeah. I don't think David went through what I went through. I'm sure he had his struggle. But let's talk about what's going on now. So, <laughs> and like I said, I'm not knocking the pulpit. However, calm. we do we do have to do better. We but the sad part about it is, is that I know like. So sometimes you have to speak your truth. And the sad part about it is this next generation is not going to be growing up in a church like we did. Oh, yeah. They're not going to. They don't believe in what we believed in. We were the last generation of young folks who came up in the church and who are going to believe that doctrine because these young folks are not with it. No. They don't believe it. They don't believe it. They're not falling for it. And they see you for what you really are. Uh -huh. So it's like, if you're not going to be real in front of them, they're not going to just act like they don't see your your realities. Right. Right. Oh, my God. Yes. And you know what grinds my gears? It's, it's kind of <laughs> kind of to the point what you're saying, too. But, like, when my kids, when they were a little bit younger, um, even now, like, even just last summer, um, it was a situation where they did so much of... Um, I guess mimicking people in the church. Hallelujah. And they fall out and they thought it was a game. They think it's a game because every Sunday you go into this particular church and that's all you see. What are my children getting out of your doctrine? Yes, I am the child's first um, teacher. And yes, I teach my children what they need to know. But at the same token, I can tell you where we're missing it. And to be honest with you, if you want your children to see God and you want them to see the Holy Spirit, then let's start working on those generational curses that are in the house. Ooh, say that yeah. one more again. That's, that's, the, that's the reality because, like, you know, the stuff that they see in your living room speaks so much more volumes than the stuff that they hear from the preacher. Like, so if we talk about what we're supposed to talk about, we deal with it the way we're supposed to deal with it, you know, Let's talk about those things that are, are going on in the family line that they see at the family reunions, the cookouts, on Sunday dinners, when they go to auntie and them house, all the secrets that nobody want to talk about in the family. Like, because that's a big thing. Like, I see a lot of families, they they so devout and they're so dedicated to going to the church. But when you really sit amongst their family and you be amongst them, you find out all the family dirt. You find out all the stuff that's been going on for generations, and there's nobody who's willing to break the cycle and the curse. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just, this thing is so deep. It's so deep. It goes so, 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 so deep when we talk about mental health. Mm -hmm. Mental health is, is super deep. It goes beyond depression. 
It goes beyond anxiety. Mm-hmm. It goes beyond, um, you know, any of those conditions that we put names on. Right. It's it's very it's very like you got you got family members in our families who will shout a hole in the floor and praise the loudest praise in the whole church, but will go home and are in, in severe chronic depression. Yeah. You got pastors who are hooping and hollering and preaching and sweating, but they, they taking depression medication. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, is is what we're doing really helping? I think that what we, the reason why the church is so dysfunctional is because we got away from the community and we got away from the village mentality. That's what the real problem is. Yeah, taking prayers out of schools and right. all that. But, but even more so, I think that that, that community that family oriented feeling that we had like, okay, think about this right now. If you're going through a storm in your life, what mothers or what older folks is calling you and checking on you saying, baby, you all right. You're in my spirit. I heard you. The Lord brought me to your, you know, brought you to my, my spirit. Like those kind of things don't even happen anymore. Like now people are on their own. Like I'll be real with you. I'd be so real with you. Like I'm sitting up here. I've been on dialysis now for four months, four or five months now. And I'm yet to have anybody show up to this house in Cleveland, North Carolina and say, Bruce, come on, let's go get some coffee. Bruce, let's go get a sandwich. Now, I'm yeah, I'm supposed to be the spiritual whatever, but that don't mean I don't need somebody to say, Bruce, I got you every now and then. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, but that's the thing that but the church it coins itself on putting prayer hands up. And if you put a social media post up, or if you do something like that, but people don't really do the work of a, of a missionary or a Christian because mm-hmm. that work must involve you to get your butt up out your chair and go to somebody's house and do something for somebody other than yourself. Correct, correct, and so that's that's where. That's what I'm saying. Like, if, if, like, I was talking to my therapist, and I was like, you know, to me, and I were talking, and because my therapist has lupus. Oh wow. Okay, so she had lupus. She went through dialysis just like I do. Now it had to be God to put me together with her because she identifies with a health battle. So mm-hmm. she and I can connect on that level. So you know, I'm talking with her, and, and she showed me a blog that she wrote, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I read her blog, I looked at all the pictures and I saw her transformation. I saw her story where she lost her hair and then she got real sick, got skinny, was in the hospital. She coded three or four times. So she was supposed to die, but she stayed here. And, and, and I said, I picked up on the reason why she's still here. And the reason why she's still here is because she had a strong village. Her grandmother, her mother, and her best friends stayed in the hospital with her every single day. I think she was in there for months. They stayed in the hospital with her for months. Wow. And held her down. So this woman, her body, her body had no choice but to bounce back. When you got people in the room praying, who who are there supporting you with drink, you know, you feel the love and the connection from family. Yeah. I've seen that to be true. I've seen, oh my God, this one particular situation, um, the person was very sick 
and it seemed like everybody in the family just really was doing their own thing to shine or whatever and mm -hmm. kind of this particular person around just to get the attention i guess um so such such is sick let's pray for him blah 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 um but later on down the road it's like that person fell into a depression and then got sicker and sicker and then finally was like you know what i give up right and boom there it is boom there it was and it shouldn't be like that we should all every i feel like everybody has something that they could pour out into something else yeah but it just i just i don't know it's just i think that we're missing it and it's like i work in the schools every day and i see it all day every day i see where parents miss it i see where school teachers miss it i see where administrators miss it like I'm one person serving 500 kids and I work at two different schools. So how in the world am I supposed to adequately capture the emotions and the feelings of over 500 students? It's impossible. And that's just at one school. So I work at a school that's comprised of high school and middle school. Mm -hmm. And then I work at another school that's comprised of just middle school students. So, you know, working with these kids, the stuff that I hear, and I have to be like, you know, you talk about the gift of discernment. Mm -hmm. On my job, my, my gift of discernment has to be sharp like a knife. Oh, yeah. Because I'm working with these kids, and within the first 30 seconds of talking with them, I have to be able to interpret emotionally where they are. And I have to be able to assess it, process it, gauge it, and then actually give them an intervention right on the spot in less than a minute. That's how fast I have to be able to do it. And I'm talking about, I do that all day long. Shoo! It takes a strong person to be able to do that. Yeah, because, you know, some of these kids, like, especially with the ones that, that really has to happen with the ones I don't know. With the ones I know, oh, I'm good. But if I don't know the kid, I only got a few minutes to build rapport with them. Right. And a lot of these kids got trust issues. Oh, I bet. I bet. Trust, they got trust issues. They're dealing with severe mental health problems. They have anxiety. They're breaking down. They're having panic attacks in the middle of the hallway. Some of them are using abusing drugs. And I mean, Lord have mercy. I can't tell you some of this. Like I've had one little girl. She did an edible at school and ate the edible and was rolling around in the floor because she took too much. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that all the time happens, you know, and it's just Where are they getting this stuff from? Oh man, you can get that stuff anywhere now. You can get edibles, you can get vape but the weed to put in vape pens. These kids be in the middle of class smoking weed in a vape pen. See? This is crazy. This is crazy. We have a question on the thing though. Um Ebony says, don't you think it's up to our generation to help this new generation? What do you think about that? It is up to our, this, our, us, our, which Ebony? Is that Ebony? I know. Yeah. Lord have mercy. Oh, I know Ebony since we were kids. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, it is up to us and this generation to help this, this next generation, but we have to get educated on how to help them. Now, some of us who are like, who are fabulous, and some of us who don't been out there sometimes can be way too liberal. 
And that's the dangerous part about it. Like, okay, like, you can't be, like, so I've seen some people who are young be drinking and smoking with their kids. I'm like, girl, boy, you can't be doing that now. Boy, you can't be doing that. You can't be let, you can't be taking your kids to the club. And you can't be doing stupid stuff like that just because you want to help them to make sure that they understand that you're understanding. Nah, but what I do is I think that the best way that you can talk to this this generation is you got to be a thousand percent real with them. You can't sugarcoat nothing. Oh, yeah. Because they got the Internet in their hand. So whatever you lie about, they can look it up and find out you're lying. Listen, to the point where my almost 10-year-old it's quick to go. Hey Siri. <laughs> or Google something real quick. <laughs> right. Right, right. And it's just like the same that I'ma tell you one of the scariest things that I found out is that our generation is not really doing what we should be doing to help this new generation. We're not doing it. We were screwed over by the generation before us. But the next generation, we have to aggressively, aggressively oh support and help this next generation but many of us are not even in a place mentally where we can and are willing if you see most of us we twerking with them most of the people that's in our generation like if you look on tiktok the people in their 30s and 40s are are doing that the women are twerking and wilding out that the guys are uh you know doing all this stupid stuff with the drugs and alcohol and stuff like that how can we how can we lead them and we doing the same stuff they doing? Exactly. It's hard. It's a catch-22. And it all goes back that we were so traumatized and uneducated growing up kids and coming into our own, having to figure things out on our own. That now we're trying to heal. So it's kind of hard to heal and pour into the next generation at the same time.
Yeah. But I just, I just, I just think that I just think that it's crucial. Like you know, I think that each one of us need to take a a, a very serious approach in how we deal with young folks and how we reach. Them. Yeah. And you know, it's just, it's just, it's key, man. It's just so, it's so crucial that you know, because we got kids now who are severely depressed for real, for real. And this depression is getting some of these kids to the point where they can't even get out of bed. And I got kids that I got kids that don't even come to school for a whole year. It's that serious. So it's just like, you know, I don't know. I just I just feel like, you know, the religion thing has to be thrown out the door. I think that we need to throw that in the trash can and we need to, we just need to be uh we need to be a uh a whole bunch of folks who just keep it a thousand real, a thousand percent real, and stop stop with the whole religion jump because right. there's a bunch, there's this that religion man, it ain't helping nobody. They're being fake and being phony. Half of the folks who was running around the church back in the day, and who still are doing it now, ain't got to figure out their own self. That part. And they just they looked the part, but they ain't got nothing figured out. Like half of them are not happy in their marriages. They sleep in their separate beds in the houses. They don't love each other. Half of them got other families and cheating on their spouses and all kind of wild stuff. Yeah. But then they in the church acting like they some some this and that, or they get on social media pretending. And I'm just like, yo, yo, man, like when, when and then that's the heartbreaking thing when you find out that somebody that you looked up to was was not really about that life. It like does something to your spirit. It does. I listen. I've I've experienced it myself. I was gonna do an example of you know some people that I grew up with. Oh, I'm gonna talk about charity. I experienced that myself to the point where I'm like you know, even in my adult life, like what am I here for? Mm -hmm. Like I don't even respect you anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know if you remember this, but when I preached. The first time I, your, your mom had asked me to preach at your, your, your home church, that was like my initial sermon, right? Mm -hmm. And my initial sermon that time was, the basis, the, the basis of it was, you live and you die, and you don't know what you've been called to do in this life. And I, I got that from watching older people in the church who would get old and didn't know what they were supposed to do on this earth. Only thing they did was the stuff that they learned to do out of force of habit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the sad part about this thing. It's like, you know, a lot of us are just living and dying and don't know what our purpose was. Right. Oh, man. Now that you mentioned that, it makes me really think about the mothers of the church and the elders. That's, and stuff that's like what I see. I'll you made me do a whole different podcast just on that but it, it's also sad how like you said some old folks sitting around here they just waiting to die it's like they don't have a purpose or didn't have a purpose everybody has a purpose got to figure out what it is. Yeah. it's just i don't know it just we've all seen it especially if you've been in church all your life you see people serving god and serving the pastor <laughs> and they just their whole life is church Sunday and Wednesday, revivals, prayer service, prayer meeting, they have no life. 
Right. They don't do anything except for church. And it's like, okay, that's depressing in itself that the only thing you do is go to church. Listen. <laughs> that is depressing. That is there. And then don't try to do all this and then blame it on, um, I guess I'm doing it for the Lord. This is what the Lord, okay, look, the Lord offers you to live. He gives That's you right. life more abundantly. It don't mean being at the church house 24 7. I'm, I'm so literal when I say this, but some of these folks are dying and loving their Bible. Yeah, I, that Bible can't do but so much. Now I don't mean no harm, and I'm gonna tell you something. That Bible can't hold you back at nighttime. Okay. When you get lonely and you need somebody to hug you and kiss you, you keep on trying to hug Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see if he hug you back. <laughs> Cause some of these folks, that's how they be talking. Oh, I just all I need is Jesus, and all I know, I I don't think that we were created just to love words that come from a book. I think that we were created to be in relationships and to be loved by a companion. And that's the reality that, you know, some people that they just become so spiritually inclined that, that that's, their, that's their mentality. No, you need somebody to embrace you with their hands. You need somebody to tell you physically and with their mouth that they love you and care about you. You need to feel that. And it's like, you know, I just think that we need to have real conversations and we need to be real with each other. And that's where mental health comes in. Like, if we be real and we stop making everything so spiritual and you start putting everything off on God and you start saying that, you know, oh, God going to take care of you and this and that. No, God put people on earth for a reason. Yeah. He, put, he said that in the Bible, that he made man so that man wouldn't be alone. Exactly. I was just going to point that out. Um... Now, I could be wrong because I didn't ever go back to church, but I heard somebody say that when God said it's not good that man should be alone, he didn't make Eve right away. That's when he put right. animals here. And then he realized that, okay, man is still not happy. Man is doing the work of the ministry 24-7 and he's still not happy. So then what happened? God put him to sleep and when he woke up. Because listen, Adam, Adam can't be one with a squirrel. He can't, he can't be one with a rabbit. That's it. And and them rabbits, he can lay on them to go to sleep, and they keep his neck warm and stuff like that. But that's about it. <laughs> and you know, it's just the reality behind this thing. Like you know, it just you got to put things in context. And you know, it's just. I just think that it's just time for the church to be so real. Like, let's be real. In church services, let's talk real talk. Mm -hmm. Let's not talk fantasy. Let's not talk about, like, fictional stuff. Let's have real conversation about real problems. Let's have open dialogue in church fun. Yeah. Let's let members talk back to the pastor. And let's not, let's stop letting it be this one. You talk to me, you tell me how to live my life and tell me everything. And I just follow your directive and that's it. That is the wrong approach to ministry. That is how, how a fisher of men, I need somebody to teach me how to go and preach to the masses or bring them back in. Oh man, 
that was an L of a lot of stuff to try to take in in one setting. So that being said, I hope you do um, stay tuned because there will be more on the next segment of Real As L. We'll be talking more about Christianity and mental health as well as other issues that may or may not be spoken about in your church or in somebody else's church. But we will talk about it because over here on Real As Hell, we keep it a buck. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.